Hey, hey, this is Alex from the High Life Uncut. And hey, this is Jan. Welcome back for another interview. This one I think is going to be particularly interesting. So we are with Kevin, old mate. So Kevin, <laughs> he shook his head at me. Can this you... is a good start to interview. Oh. This is a great start. This is, this is going well. We're best mates. It's okay. So This is going to go south. Very are we still best mates, Kevin? <laughs> Absolutely. G'day, guys. How are we? Thanks for having me on the show. Tell us about yourself, Kevin. Tell us. Tell us, tell me, sell myself. Well, I think um, my, my number one selling point is that I'm good friends with Jen. I think that's the first thing. That's, that's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Um, well, yeah, no, look, um, my name is Kevin um, and I'm basically friends with, with Jen. Uh, we've been best friends since EY days. <laughs> uh, we interned together at EY um, and that's basically how... I know Jen and, you know, still here. We're still friends and... Good vibes, right? It's, it's all just what, history from there, right? What was so it? All just history. history. <laughs> history. Wait, curious. What was it like working with me in the office? Because, like, I would sometimes come sit next uh, to you, wouldn't I? What is it about me? What is it about me, Jen? <laughs> um, look, you know, working with you was a blast, you know. You know your, your charisma. Thanks. Your energy. Thanks. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're a very lively person, so... I think that was a that was a joy. It was a joy to work with you. What about you, Alex? Was it like sitting next to me in the office sometimes? Yeah, I look at those months. I just go get a coffee. Just get a coffee. Yeah, <laughs> go, go get a second coffee. No, I, I, I get black teas. Oh, I just said fair Substitute. enough. Yeah, fair Extra enough. No, that's all right. It's not bad. But uh, back to you, Kevin. <laughs> Sorry, saying, tell, tell us. Oh, good mate. No, nah, it's all right, mate. <laughs> tell us a bit more about your time working with Jen and how fun mm-hmm. and eventful it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, you know, I enjoyed the uh, the, the weekly um, runabouts at Argyle. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Missed that. Um, going out with boys, with girls, and it was a boys plus gen, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> right, it was right. a good vibe. It was Fair a good enough. vibe. Fair enough. Um, so, Kevin, let's get real. Let's get some real deep stuff. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you've had a really cool career, and I would love for you to share with everyone. So, talk us through your career journey. Yeah, great. Look, um, so I currently work at a. M&A and strategy consulting firm. Um, so it's, it's a boutique firm uh, made by partners from ex-private equity and ex-MBB. Uh, again, we're only a small team of 10, uh, but then again, the work that we do is is a lot. Uh, we help ASX listed companies all the way through to private equity companies, um, all the way through to mid-corporate companies and with their strategic needs. And, you know, if they want to either do inorganic growth or growth in general, how do we, how do we navigate that for them and how do we do it for them? So that's my current my current full time role. Um, on the side of that, I am an investor um, and also a uh, part owner of a company in Indonesia. Um, so uh, the company is called Reverse Customs. They're again one of the biggest apparel customization uh, services in Indonesia. Uh, and again, part of that as the head of strategy and head of finance. So um, again, not two jobs, but one main job in Australia and you know a part time gig. Uh, overseas we love it so then what did we do before this you know you had to build some kind of experience what did we study absolutely and then you know obviously you met me at one point well okay so I started my career off obviously I did an internship with Jen at EY Um, good vibes good vibes (laughs) Um, and I I did an internship also at Ferry Hodgson which recently got brought by KPMG Mm -hmm. Um, so that was more in the restructuring services line um, and then I also did an internship at KPMG and worked there basically for like a whole year during uni plus my internship. What did you study? Um, I studied commerce. <laughs> accounting. I did do science um, in mathematics, but unfortunately halfway I was like, nah, I want to get straight to the workforce. 
Um, so wow. So I was doing a bit of maths, a bit of uh, statistics back in the days, but wasn't for me. So it's not for everyone. Not Definitely for everyone, not for everyone. Not for everyone. Not no, that's all. not my vibe either. Let's be honest. Uh, numbers. I do love numbers, uh, but financially. So so yeah. Um, look, I started off my career at KPMG. Um, look again, it's it's one of those things where. Uh, you already know, you, you want to be safe, right? You, you want to be, I was very risk averse back then uh, in terms of my career. What was the uh, role? So I was in audit and assurance. Ah, classic. The classic, if I should say, the classic Asian way after you went to study. Was it a grad program? It was a grad program. Yeah. Um, but again, I felt comfortable with the team because um, I already knew the team, already worked there for a whole year. So again, my, my mind was, why not? Let's just start it, you know. Again, back then I felt guilty if I did go somewhere else. Yeah. So it's all about that loyalty. Um, but that's just the beginning. Didn't want to go to EY. Didn't want to go to EY. Did not want to go to EY. I wasn't there. That's probably why. That's probably why. <laughs> um, but yeah, started off my career at KPMG. Um, again, did my CA there. Uh, got to senior associate there, and then I moved. I decided, you know, look, KPMG was great in terms of understanding, you know, the operations and. Of a, of a business and as well as the financial side as well. Um, but, you know, there's always that side of, it was always a risk side that I missed at, at KPMG. So that's when I, when I did risk consulting at Aon. Um, there I was looking at, you know, business interruptions. So for example, uh, if a big oil plant um, or oil refinery in Malaysia, there was a big earthquake that happened there. What's the impact financially um, on its financial statements? Uh, and basically what's the size and magnitude um, of the damage in the next year or two. So calculating that obviously was very, very difficult and that was something interesting that I did there as well. Um, but you know, I thought to myself, look, I want to do something that actually has a big impact um, on a company, uh, not just operationally and financially, but also strategically. So then I decided to move to, to Deloitte. Um, it was more so in the value creation services team as well as their distressed M&A team. Um, and in that role, basically helped uh, a lot of private equity companies uh, with their portfolios in terms of um, doing a sell-side mandate for them um, and helping them sell off uh, their investments um, that weren't particularly particularly doing that well. So in that case, again, it's, it's a lot of analysis, uh, a lot of financial acumen that you need, a lot of commercial acumen, uh, and, and a lot of negotiations as well uh, that you require in that role. And I think one of the landmark you know, clients that I did there was a big airline company, which I unfortunately could not name. Um, but it's that's right. one of them. It's, it's all the high experience, different industries. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, all the way from you know retail to um, to the airline industry, um, all the way through to education, healthcare. So that was what I did in Deloitte. Um, and then all of a sudden, I thought to myself, look, Deloitte was great, but I haven't really worked uh, in, in a corporate company yet um, before. So that's when I decided, you know what, it's COVID now. The bank's interested in hiring me, so that's when I decided to, to jump over to, to Westpac. Um, and in Westpac, I was doing a lot of financial modeling, a lot of capital modeling, um, a lot of stress testing as well. It was more strategic and also regulatory. Um, but during the midst of COVID, obviously, that's when the interesting things came out from, you know, making decisions on, oh, for example, should we pay dividends this quarter? Um, should we do a capital raise? Should we do, just do cost cuts? So they were just some of the things that I did there. And then I decided, you know what, I do like that strategy side and the M&A side and the finance side. And that's when I decided to jump to um, Genesis Advisory, which is where I currently work, um, as I mentioned before. So, yeah, that's just a bit of my journey. Um, again, I've hopped around. A lot of people call me a corporate slut. 
That's all right, though, but like, I feel like that experience jumping around definitely mm. shaped your career. Obviously, one of those things, you're jumping around your careers. Mm. Do you find like that the kind of experiences that you've gotten throughout the years in different companies has really shaped kind of what you wanted or is you still kind of unsure in that kind of market Absolutely. space? Look, um, you know, I'm always a firm believer in doing what you love or close to love. Um, and, you know, being able to try different companies and different divisions and basically different industries as well, that has basically allowed me to pinpoint, you know, where I want to be. Um, and that's that's where I am now, more in the finance space, um, the corporate strategy space. And, and I guess, look, it's my philosophy has been, you know, in the first five to six years of your career, it's always good to, to jump around, well, not too quick, uh, but to jump around to see, you know, what what you like, what industry you like. How long do you stay in each company, Kevin? Uh, good question, Jen. Well, I'll try and stay for at least a year. Yeah, yeah you do, right? I'll, I'll try to stay for at least a year. So, so what if someone sees your LinkedIn and it's not a year, Kevin? Oh, that'll be, uh, unfortunately, there was one company that was just less than a year. By how, um, so, so how many companies were less than a year? One. One company less than a year. Come on, Jen. Should be listening, Jen. Should have been listening. <laughs> Uh, no, I swear you were two less than a year. That's beside the point. Oh, besides the point. Besides the point. At least a year or close to a year. I think that's... Define um, close to a year. Close to a year, maybe 11 months, 10 months, you know. Nine some, months, close to a year. It's close to a year. Look, close you know, to nine months, months. Also close to a year, yeah. 75% of the way. Yeah. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, look, you've you got to stay in a company long enough um, to really understand what you're doing. And I think that is that nine-month mark. Um, so again, that's my personal understanding of that, but other people could be different. So, so yeah, checking my LinkedIn, are you? Uh, actually, she's uh, not even proving that there's only one. I think it's just the nod of approval. There's only uh, one. Yikes. Look, I think she just proved it wrong with your own resume. You know, proved it wrong with your own resume. I'll prove you your own resume. I was a contestant. It was definitely a test, though. But so. Career is obviously really important to you and you have a lot going on in your life, dude. Like, how mm. do you balance that and, like, have a life? Because you have some random hobby you learned about today. Yeah, look, um, in terms of work-life balance, obviously, number one thing is to work efficiently. Um, for example, I try and wake up earlier in the morning, well, not too early, uh, but I try to wake up earlier in the morning to smash work out so I've got time maybe after work to go to my soccer training or go, go to boxing um, or go, go to fishing. So again, I've got a, during COVID, obviously, like people took up a lot of hobbies, um, and, and that's what I did. And, and the way that you try and cater for those hobbies is to either work harder, Which not just harder, or work smarter, and work smarter as well. Uh, and in that case, you will have time. Uh, but obviously, there's some uncontrollable aspects to to work that you can't really manage sometimes, and you've got to work on the weekends. And but that's fine. That that's part of it, right? So I guess it's it's that. Yeah, we'll work harder, but also work smarter. And if you combine those two, um, you're going to have time to do stuff you like and love. Um, I saw something today, like you're fishing. You've had to turn uh, into quite a bit of an influencer, haven't you? Oh, a bit of an influencer. Not really, eh? Look, just, you're making just, it, uh, you're making it. Yeah, well. look. Um, How many subscribers do you have as well when you when yeah, you're like Yeah, look, um, I'm only on around, you know, 185, was it? Something around 200. Yeah, close enough. 300, right? That's close to 300, right? Yeah, just another 800 till I get monetized, but... But look, um, you know, it was in my bucket list to uh, basically make a YouTube channel. Uh, I didn't really it's care how many right? subscribers. Something to do, something to do. Exactly. Out, I, outside know. of work, right? So exactly. So fishing is a hobby of mine. Um, again, I do a bit of rock fishing, a bit of like boat fishing, uh, land-based. 
Uh, and, you know, I love fishing in general. It's, it's, it's very calming. But again, I decided to make that into a, into a, you know, a YouTube channel just for fun, just to tick off something my bucket list. Yeah, something you've um, done. So in my bucket list, actually, I wrote it down. It's at least 50 subscribers uh, <laughs> in, in, in two years. And, you know, it was, it's, been, it's only been a year and a half and, you know, 200 so subscribers. So you're killing, killing that smashing bad. that goal, smashing still, that goal. Absolutely, mate. So it's not yeah. that bad. What's but, your proudest catch? Oh, my proudest catch. Probably like a, it's like a 65 to 70 centimetre trevally. It's massive. Yum, that sounds really good. Mm, I think that's good as well. Sounds, yeah, <laughs> it sounds amazing. Yeah. A couple of kingfishes here and there. You, know, you can sashimi it. Um, you can cook it however you want. But I'm the best way it. is to sashimi it. Um, so so next time you get a king class. Yeah, exactly. Cooking. Oh, next time you get a sashimi. Yeah, 100%. There you go. There's Wait, no. Next time you do it, a kingfish, can you grab me some sashimi, please? Cheers. Oh, of course. I'll make some for you. Thank it's gonna you. It's going to be dry-aged as well. It's going to be vacuum-sealed. You get the best of the best, Jen. You just get the best of the mm. best. Look at that. Treat, he treats me well. My standards are pretty high. Absolutely. <laughs> Kevin, but what am I going to do? You keep my standards so high. <laughs> oh, God. I'm just joking. Are you good now? Oh, I am. I am. <laughs> Look at that. There you go, mate. But yeah. obviously, I think work, like, you're pretty busy with work. Do you find that often you can't do those hobbies or you just work is pretty balanced and it's pretty good for that work? Look, work, it depends on what's going on. Like, for example, if I'm on an M&A deal at the moment, I'm on around 10 M&A deals at the moment, wow. um, which is a lot. Um, but again, it's in the mid-sized industry, so it's not that big um, of a deal. But again, it's, it's in the hundreds of millions uh, in total. Yeah, um, and, and I guess in terms of work-life balance, uh, again, as I said, you know, it, it really depends on what you're doing and what stage of the M&A deal that you're on. And all these deals happen in different times. So you're going to have busy periods periodically and maybe it's going to be frequent. Maybe it's not going to be frequent. So it really depends. But overall, I try I try to make time for my hobbies. Um, and that's and that's been the case at the moment. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's good in that way. Um, and, and again, the team is, is very good in, in catering for that um, and understanding that as well. So, so yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, how important, though, is that to you outside of your 9 to 5, quote-unquote? Really, we know it's, like, 12-hour days, but, like, mm. sorry, 12-hour, I mean, yeah, days, sorry. So, then, like, what's it actually like? Like, is it important to you, then, to have that life outside? Because, like, some people are married to their job. Some people, their job is their life. Mm. And it sounds like you care a lot about your career. So, yeah, like, absolutely. how important is that 9 to oh, – sorry, sorry, how important is, like, that outside life to you, then? How important is the outside life? Besides, spend time with me. Why else is it important? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Look, I think it's it's very important. Look, it's your career doesn't shape. It doesn't really shape who you are in terms of outside of work. Well, it does in a sense, but it's not your identity. You're going to have a work identity. You're going to have an outside life identity as well, with your friends, with your family. So I guess look, it is very important. Um, Because obviously outside of work is when you do actually spend time with your good mates, with your family as well. Um, Not to say that people at work aren't friends. They are, definitely. Ouch. Um, But at at the same time, look, it's it's reality. It's going to be very important. And I would probably make it, it's probably more important than than work outside of life. I definitely agree. I think that balancing of work and Kind of thing. I think a lot of people kind of struggle with that kind of balancing, especially with COVID. Mm, COVID really like pushed it to one of those things where you just mm, people were struggling. Absolutely. Is someone quite seeing you're in a workplace, right? Because I know you're quite seeing you. Um, how do you feel about people drinking at work events? Because there's definitely like a huge like drinking culture. 
Cool. Yeah, in regards to that question, um, again, it's a very good question and I think a lot of people um, sometimes think, oh, look, it's, it's, it's good to drink and it's not good to drink. So there's different different perspectives there. But for me, I think it's fine to drink, um, you know, especially in like in a senior position, uh, obviously, in order to build up that team culture, unfortunately, like in, in this day and age, drinking is part of that culture. Um, and obviously, like it's, it's to an extent where, you know, you don't over drink. And you, you, as long as you know your boundaries. Exactly. Right. You need to know your boundaries. Uh, and obviously, you know, it's part of that social aspect. Um, these days, so I, well, I guess it's fine to drink, um, but again, as you said, there's a boundary to that. That's so, to that point, then, do you think that kind of drinking culture has changed different companies, different industries, or is that kind of consistent across the board? Generally, look, it's it's been very consistent. Obviously, everyone's got Friday drinks. Everyone's got you know going away parties and drinks here and there, and even drinks on Wednesdays, for example, in a couple couple of firms that I've wow. worked for. Wow. So I guess look, it's. Drinks, drinks, drinks. It's it's always going to be there, but at the end of the day, you got to control yourself. Interesting. So then, what about like say, because you obviously have like teams now you're running because of your level, you're a bit older. Mm. Um, but like, what do you feel and how do you feel about like your juniors drinking? Like, do you care? Like, do you encourage it? Do you discourage it? Like, what's your oh, stance join on it? Join them. Yeah. Join them. Ah, <laughs> look, <laughs> look. Um, you know, dr- drinking is something that. You know, everyone's got their own choice to either drink or not. Again, we've got some people on the team back in the past where they don't like drinking because of X, Y, Z. Maybe they couldn't drink. So, look, we don't, obviously, you don't force it upon anyone. Um, that's number one. Um, but, but obviously, like, you know, as I said, again, with, with that drinking culture, especially in Australian, in the, in the Australian corporate landscape, it's, it's more so going to be the case where, look, it's, if you drink, then it's great. Um, but if you don't, it's fine. So, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because I feel like that's a question that a lot of us ask, especially like, you know, we have opportunity to talk to you because you are quite senior mm. um, in your industry, not in your age. It's okay. Oh, my age. Just, no, my age. Good friends. Wow. Oh, just ruining, breaking his heart. Just, just breaking just, his just heart. Hit, hit the feels. Ouch. Wow. <laughs> um, and then, like, I guess, like, your time, like, it's interesting um, do you have any hard tips for anyone that wants to get into an M and A career? Because it's, I, I feel like it's quite lucrative, and even at uni, people always talked about it. But it's mm. such a hard industry just to crack. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Look, M and A. There's a lot of skills that you need in M and A. It's it's not just like, for example, if you're an audit. Obviously, a lot of the people there you just work in the background and chug along with analysis. For example, whereas in the world of M and A, it's not just doing that. Um, it, it's more so looking at how do you how do you pitch um, a particular company that they would want to sell? How do you convince them to sell their company um, in order for you to buy that company, for example? Um, and it's not just about that. It's about obviously looking at the technical analysis. Um, again, it's if, if I go a bit more detail, it's not just looking at the PNL as such. You got to look at the whole you know the whole three statements. So again, there's PNL, there's there's cash flow, and there's um, the balance sheet. So you've got to look at all three aspects to see, you know, is this a, a viable company to purchase? Um, and then if it is, great, you go to the next step, uh, which is negotiating on a price. Uh, and that could be a touchy, um, a, a touchy subject because uh, we would value a company at X price and 
another, and they would believe that they're, they're either more or less than that. But more, most of the time, they would be like, "Oh, look, I think we're worth more than that." You know, this and that. So, look, you need to really have that interpersonal skill, uh, and not just um, the technical skills. Um, and you need to be able to convince people. You need to be, you need to be able to negotiate. You need to be able to talk to the capital partners, for example, and convince them to invest in this company. So there's there's a lot of different aspects to it. And I guess, look, you learn this from, from anywhere, from uni, um, the interpersonal skills, from even, you know, I used to work at Macca's, for example. I used to work, work at Hungry Jack's. I used to work at Myers. All the different jobs. All, all different kind of jobs. add up yeah. to the experience, right? Absolutely. Like at Myers, for example, I convinced people to buy suits. Um, that was my specialty there. Um, so again, that would help um, in, in, your, in your future careers um, should you need that particular skill. I guess if someone wants to come straight out of uni and they're like, I want to be the M&A go-to person, I want to mm. work in an M&A firm, like what does a straight path look like? Is it kind of what you've done already? Is that a traditional path? Like talk us through a traditional path. So the traditional path, it's very different. So if, if you go to, so, so just as a, as a background, um, there's different types of firms. There's investment banks, um, there's big four corporate finance teams, and there's your boutique um, corporate advisory teams, which do, does purely M&A or strategy work. And these three differ in the, in the case that, you know, in investment banking, most of the time when, when you start there, you will do a lot of just analysis work. Um, that's all you'll be doing. You'll, you'll be doing the financial modeling, um, and, and obviously that's a core of what you do. Um, whereas if you're in a big four, um, again, because it's so big there and probably the transactions there are bigger, you will probably be siloed um, to just one particular um, aspect of the deal. For example, origination, you're just going to help out, you know, to, to help find targets, for example, companies to buy. Um, and if you're in a boutique, which is more basically smaller, you're going to be able to experience the whole lot. So everything that a big four person would do in all the teams, you would be able to do it in a boutique from start to finish, basically. So all the way from negotiating the price, convincing them all the way through to the share sale agreement. Um, so it's all going to be more end-to-end. -end. So I guess it depends on what you really want. If you really want that end-to-end, -end, which which I which I like, um, then you go to a boutique. Um, if you want to, you know, have that great brand name of, of you know Goldman Sachs or whatnot, then you would go to you know straight to investment banking. And if you want a mix of both, then you know you would go to a big four. Um, so that's that's just a tip. Uh, it really depends on on what you want to do. How did you um, figure out what you wanted to do? Well, very good question. Um, hopefully, I answered that in the first. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a bit of sass there, um, but no, I'm joking. No, but yeah, look. How do I know what I want to do? Um, again, look, it's all about, as I said before, it's all about trying different things. Um, again, I was comfortable in audit, so I decided to start that path, but I knew that it was going to help me in terms of being able to analyze financials, looking at operations of a company. Um, and then after that, venturing out into you know Deloitte in their value creation services team slash distressed M&A, uh, and then pinpointing that I wanted to try out, you know, What's, what, what is it like to work in a corporate? So again, I worked for Westpac and then I finally realized, look, I think this is where I want to be. It's going to be that strategy M&A space. Um, obviously, there's pressures from, from family. Um, again, that's one thing that's probably a good topic to talk, talk about. Uh, but, you know, a lot of my family members are in that private equity space and that, you know, venture capital space. So 
The, your cousin, I think you told me, she's a pretty big strategist, isn't she, in Indonesia or something? Oh, no, my auntie, you mean. Oh, so your auntie, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so my family, auntie. Family, obviously. Family, yeah. Family, obviously, like. Yeah. They're the biggest influences. Biggest influences, but at the same time, you don't want to just do that because they're doing that. But did um, you feel pressured to vote just for family have done that? Like, you've told me about your uh, family, cool people. Like, are you only here because your family have done it? I would say no. Were you so, groomed for his position? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Look, it, it's. I try to differentiate myself, obviously, from my family. Do you struggle? Um, and no, I don't want to say I struggled. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to be. I wanted to do something different. Um, again, my a lot of my aunties and uncles are in finance, um, but that's just the case. My parents were. They used to be engineers, and they became bankers. So that's literally an extreme. Um, that, that's that's something else. Um, that's interesting. That. I could, to talk about later, but but yeah, look, I think all in all, it's not just about family at the end of the day. It's about what you want to do. Um, but obviously, there's pressures in in your cohort. For example, everyone in commerce they want to do strategy, they want to do M and A because it's like you know it's a new exciting it's thing, a right? Sexy yeah. word. It's, the, it's a sexy word, you know. Whatever wants to be, it's exactly. But at the same time, look, not not all people enjoy it, um, and you got to figure out what you want for yourself. And I guess. Something interesting that I found on LinkedIn actually a couple couple of weeks ago was that worldwide, eighty seven percent of people aren't satisfied in their jobs currently, um, and that's actually one of the biggest U.S. researchers did a did a survey, uh, and that's what they found. So again, it's it's because of employee unhappiness and basically because they don't want um, to be in the position that they're at, um, and. I do see it. Um, you know, a lot of people in audit that I see at the moment, they're up in, you know, the search director or director positions, but, you know, they, they tell me, you know, you know, Kev, I wished I tried different things um, to know what I truly wanted to do, but, you know, I'm, I'm too comfortable here and I'm just going to do it for the rest of my life, even though I don't really enjoy it. So, so culture really is what makes it then. So in a company, yeah, if yeah. you love a culture, you will work to death basically for them. Yeah. Um, culture, right? That's what keeps employees. Even yeah. culture. Culture is important, um, but at the same time, it's not the be-all, end-all. Again, for me, it's more so about the job itself, because at the end of the day, it's it's what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, um, and you really want to make sure that it's right for you um, and that you enjoy it. Definitely. I guess like your position now, um, you now are hiring people, right, and mm. you in both interview sessions... What do you even look out for? Like, what are good personality traits that mean someone's going to be successful? Oh, very good question. Thank you. Um, look, um, when you interview people, obviously there's different aspects to not just their personality, but also their technical skills. But I guess in terms of personality... Let's keep it generic, um, yeah, personality. Yeah, in terms of personality, you know, you've got to try and understand, you know, what, what are they like at their work, at their previous work, uh, again, that's why you, you need to have you know those references. Um, they're, they're really important. Uh, but at the same time, when you're interviewing them, you get to really understand what they're like under pressure when you give them a case study, um, for example. Um, and obviously, when you ask questions about you know what are your hobbies and this and that, you, you want to understand more about you know are they are they an interesting person, not just at work but also outside of work. Does that actually make a difference? It does, absolutely, because you, you want to make sure that, you know, especially in a team where it's smaller, um, where I work now, you want to make sure that that particular person fits well within the team um, and that's critical. So we get, we do like tons of interviews for one position 
and usually it takes a really, really long time because we want to try and get this, the right fit um, for the team. Um, but again, knowing that culture, obviously I know the culture um, in the team, um, but again, it doesn't matter if they're an introvert or an extrovert, you know, people sometimes care about that, but it's not just about that, it's about their drive, it's about their mentality, you know, how, how driven are they, um, and basically how, how much they want to succeed in the company. Um, and obviously their confidence plays a part as well. If they're confident in talking to you about their career and, and whatnot, then it's going to be um, it's going to be happy days for them, you know, because it's going to be a higher potential that we're going to hire them. Definitely. Pending technical. I think that to that point, that also, like, obviously, going in interviews, you mm. said it's like you want that kind of right fit, right? Mm. Do you find that in the industry that with COVID and everything, that right fit is now even harder to define? Or is it? Yeah, look, I, I guess, you know, during COVID, um, hopefully I'm interpreting the question correctly, um, but, you know, during COVID, obviously, a lot of people are more at home. A lot of people are interviewing behind, you know, cameras. Um, but on the flip side, um, obviously, we don't just, in this day and age, currently, where there's not much COVID, obviously, we try and do it face-to-face. Um, but obviously, the initial, um, the initial start, you know, the initial start of the uh, interview process is going to be on, on video call. Um, so again, it, it's going to be hard to gauge their body language um, if it's through video call. Um, but that's why, you know, if, if we do like them through video call, that's that's when we call them in um, to do an actual interview face-to-face. But I do get it during COVID, it's going to be harder. Um, but again, even, even still, even during COVID, we still did a face-to-face interview. Um, that's fair. But, risk. Yeah, look, the risk is there, but cultures more high important. risk, again, high risk, high reward, right? Oh. You know, if you, if you risk yourself to get COVID, then, you know, you're going to get the right, you're going to get the right stuff. Maybe, maybe, you've got the right team. Actually, don't cut it. Leave it, leave it. <laughs> leave it, leave it. Surely your team backs you with like, all these comments too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's, um, yeah. Interesting. So then, um, you interview a lot again, as you mentioned. What are the key personal brand traits that you look for then in a person, like for success? Like, if you had to name the top three personal brand traits that define the success, what do you think they are? Personal brand traits. I would say the first one is willingness to learn. Yeah. Um, that's a really important one because again, you're not going to know everything, um, and if we do know that you don't know everything, then we want to make sure that you do want to learn and want to succeed at that. Um, second, I would say it's pretty similar to the first one, but, you know, motivation. Um, motivation slash being hardworking. Uh, obviously, that's important, especially in a... It, it's a very hard um, environment uh, in, in the strategy and M&A space. Very tight deadlines. Um, and the, the quality of work that you need to do is, you know, that you need to produce is very, very high. Uh, and in that case, we need to know that you're hardworking as well as diligent in the work as well. And I guess the last thing is probably teamwork. Um, that's probably probably the most important, I would say, apart from the other ones. Um, again, teamwork, you need to be able to gel with your team well. Um, you need to be able to not just gel with your team, but if you do work with client teams, you need to gel with them as well. So having that interpersonal skill to, to build relationships um, and to basically maintain that relationship, not just in the current, but also beyond, is very important 
um, for the future success of, of that particular person that we potentially will hire. So I guess, you know, those are the three traits. Interesting. So you interview and obviously you have to make um, quick decisions about people. So from sitting with Alex, because you already know me, what do you think Alex's like top three personal brand traits are? Oh, lovely question. Give, me, give it to me. Sure. Oh, mate, your charm, you know, <laughs> your demeanor. No, no. <laughs> um, look, I think number one is, is, is confidence. Um, love that. Um, you know, you, you obviously like, you know, you, you'll be very confident. You've got High Life Uncut as, as one of your side projects. So that, that really shows that you're very um, motivated as well um, to, Appreciate it, to, to go, no, no worries, man. No, <laughs> any time. Um, I saw a bit of lovey eyes here, guys. Hey, you know, look, wait, sorry, Jane, you've been kicked out. Everyone's <laughs> taking over now. <laughs> um, look, mo- motivation, hardworking, you know, you, you want to explore new things as well. Um, so I guess those are the, you know, Keen, keen to explore new things and, and, and try out new things. I think that's very, very good. Creativity, that's, that's the word I was oh, after. Um, there we go. But obviously, yeah, without yeah. Jen, you wouldn't be able to do it. So, you know. Well, she wouldn't be able to do it without me, though. So, <laughs> hey. she wouldn't be able to do it without me. It's so. a team ever, right? It is, it is, Again, teamwork. That's teamwork. very important as Wait, well. That's important. what I see with you and Top Jen. Top three, right? Top three, teamwork. Right? That's teamwork. teamwork. Yeah, okay, as a mate. Um, Shall see you now. Don't expect this too much, but like, you know, keep it high level. Uh, what are we? What are you going to ask now, Jen? <laughs> uh, what are my top three personal brand traits? Top three personal brand traits. Oh, oh, it's on the mind with this one, I think. <laughs> yeah, might, might, have to, might have to pause. I might have to think about this. <laughs> oh, right, next week, next week. Look, look. Um, I think Jen, with with you, it's all about you know that that, that confidence that you that, that you express every single time. You know, mm. it's that you know high confidence, um, that you know motivation to to want to succeed in in anything that you do. Um, and I guess, you know, just, just hard working as well, I would say, not just in your career, uh, from what I see. Um, but also again, the same with Alex, you know, doing this life, high life uncut podcast is also, it, it takes time. It takes effort. Um, and, and you're there. So I guess, you know, that those are your three. Cheers. Three beautiful traits. 100%, I would say. Thank you. And also I just want to get into it cause you've had some really cool things. So Alex, Kevin also loves traveling. Oh, who doesn't love traveling? Who doesn't? Who doesn't love traveling? He's had some cool travels. Like, can you tell us like, briefly like, what your travels are? Because this is how you live your high life and cut, right? Oh, absolutely. Look, I think traveling is very important. It's, it's one of the things that I love to do outside of work, obviously. Always trying to plan new trips here and there. Um, but I guess one of the recent trips that I went to, uh, it was very random. Uh, went with a mate. Uh, it was to, to India. Um, again, we went to Vietnam. Uh, we went to India. And then we went to Dubai. And then went... Philippines for a, for a day, it's just, a just to tick it off. Very, very random. We just literally just spun the globe and pointed on a, on the map and oh, landed in India. So why not? Um, so I, I guess, look, India was great. Went to uh, New Delhi, Old Delhi, visited the Taj Mahal. That was great. Went to Agra, went to Jaipur, um, you know, tried out all the different cuisines there. Um, and yeah, look, I think, I think it was great. And also went to Dubai. Wait, um, how was that? Did you that do the camels? Great. No, I didn't do the camels, oh. unfortunately. You know, I, I did that in Egypt. Oh, sorry. But look, um, I went to Abu Dhabi um, in, in, in Dubai. Um, in, sorry, it's not Dubai. It's UAE. Not a, UAE. That's what it's yeah. called. Um, so I went, to, um, the, I went on the fastest, what is it called? The fastest roller coaster in the world. Oh, so wow. zero to 250 kilometers an hour in literally three seconds. So that was... Uh, 
That was great. How was your neck? Oh, <laughs> mate, my neck was like literally bent. <laughs> nah, bit of whiplash there? No, oh, a bit of whiplash, mate, but it's all good. Did it again. Yeah, no worries. Um, but yeah, look, I think that's that's a trip that I recently did and yeah, it, was, it was fun. No, that sounds like obviously a good time to obviously spend that time at work and obviously mm. you've built up a career which you've had a lot of experience with. But mm. obviously, thanks so much for coming on to this podcast for this week. We really had good insights to... Your career, your kind of view on life, and even just like hobbies, fishing, you know? Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, obviously, I think, thanks everyone for listening. And any more kind of feedback or questions, we'll kind of take them off Instagram. Yeah, definitely. Again, like, thanks for coming on, Kevin. I know by pretty much to make give you a choice, I was just like, um, you're coming and you're like, okay. Yeah, all good. <laughs> thanks so much. See you next time. Thanks, thanks guys. Bye-bye.